Welcome to the Fern Podcast, As the Season Turns. Released on the first of each month, the episodes follow the changing landscape of the seasons, from the moon and the stars to the tides and the trees. I'm Leah Lane-Dertz, author of The Almanac, A Seasonal Guide, and this podcast is a collaboration between myself and Fern, makers of small-batch organic perfume. I love wearing fern. In my quest to live in tune with the seasons, applying the season's perfume is a lovely little ritual that reminds me to use all my senses. We hope that this brief guide to the month ahead will awaken you to the rhythms of the year and help you to settle deeper into the seasons. Names for February February, modern English Februar, Scots and Ulster Scots Fjaura, Irish Gaelic Chwevror, Welsh Hwevra, Cornish Fevri, Ngerier These names for February, a short transitional month, all refer back to the Latin Februarius, which has roots in Februm, meaning fasting or purification. It's a reference to Lent, which this year, unfortunately for those observing both, begins on Valentine's Day. February is Solmanap in Old English. The etymology is a bit tricky. Sol means mud in Old English, and mud month seems pretty fair for most Februaries. Other more romantic suggestions are sun month and earth month, but the chronicler Bede notes that this was, joy of joys, cake month. Sadly, though, Bede isn't referring to sweet cakes, but to a tradition similar to that noted in the Aesobot Charm, an 11th century Christianized recording of a much older fertility ritual. In it, the charmer makes a palm-sized cake of flour, milk and holy water to be placed under the first furrow of a poorly yielding field. The charm is then spoken over it, and the field, now blessed, can be planted. Perhaps this is fanciful, but a flat cake of flour and milk recalls another late winter festival we celebrate today, often in February, Pancake Day or Shrove Tuesday. February is Giran in Scots Gaelic. Giran literally means short month, a serviceable descriptor. It is Beta Kaolo Monthos in Romani. This name translates to Little Black Month, which must refer to the fact that this is the last of the dark months of winter, when the daylight hours are very short, a difficult time for those living on the road. This was the month when the Romanese set out again from their winter stopping places, the Achin Tans that once peppered Britain and Ireland, and which are now rare. They would often pull up by a snowdrop wood, where they'd pick posies for women and children to sell from door to door. Toshakt Ari in Manx. Etymology, Toshakt means start or beginning, and Ari is the Manx word for spring. So February is the beginning of spring, a cheering thought amid still cold days. February in the Ancient Woodland. In February, the ancient woodland is starting to shake off its winter sleep. Though the trees are still for the most part bare, 
Beneath them, green shoots are appearing amid the white flakes of January's snowdrops. As we move towards the equinox, the ground is starting to warm up, the sun to grow stronger. This short month can be intoxicating, ready to tip into spring. It passes in a flash of unfurling leaves, snow flurries and fitful sunshine. The foraging year picks up the pace in February, as sweet violets and early leaves of wild garlic scent the forest floor. Though both species are suffering from over-enthusiastic foraging, so do only take what you need, and if you use lots, sow your own seeds in a pot or the garden. Mushrooms, too, are still abundant, with species such as velvet shank blooming from rotting trees, particularly ash, beech and oak. This species' beautiful orange-brown caps sit atop its velvet shanks, or legs, from the Latin flamulina velutipes, which means little flaming velvet leg. Somehow that's exactly what they look like. Perhaps the greatest change, though, comes for birds. After a few months of huddling together for warmth, the woodland's blue tits are suddenly active and busy, looking for suitable nest sites. They love a nest box, which they'll fill with a mattress of moss, so do put one up if you can. The missile thrush has a more wistful song than the blue tit. Closely related to the blackbird and song thrush, its tone is more melancholic than the former and shoutier than the latter, but similarly repetitive. They sing so early because it's mating season. Some may even nest this month. Underneath it all, you might hear the thrum of a greater spotted woodpecker, sounding out his territory. As the weather warms, female woodpeckers will drum their own trees, replying to the male's siren song. On the 1st of February, the sun rises at 8.18am at Inverness and sets at 4.42pm. In Padstow, it rises at 7.55am and sets at 5.11pm. During the course of February, day length increases by 2 hours and 7 minutes to 10 hours and 31 minutes in Inverness and by 1 hour and 36 minutes to 10 hours and 52 minutes in Padstow. Cooking from the garden in February. Here are some crops that you might find in the kitchen garden this month. Forced rhubarb, purple sprouting broccoli, Carrots, Brussels sprouts, turnips, beetroot, spinach, Jerusalem artichokes, kale, chard, lettuces, chicory, radicchio, punterelle, endive, cauliflowers, cabbages, celeriac, swedes, leeks, winter savory, parsley, chervil, coriander, rosemary, bay, sage, apples and pears some ideas for eating from the garden this month. Raw beetroot and carrot grated and marinated together in orange juice, vinegar, oil, salt and pepper before mixing in orange segments and topping with toasted seeds to serve. Savoy cabbage fried in butter with coriander seeds until caramelised and then a bit of cream stirred in, served with sausages. Cauliflower florets, broken up and roasted in olive oil, cumin and coriander, with salted and herbed yoghurt. Buckwheat crepes, with spinach and ricotta filling. A carrot cake, 
made with apple puree and lots of cardamom, with cardamom cream cheese frosting. In February, we are deep in the hungry gap. This is the time when, if we were eating only from the wild, it would be hardest to get our hands on any fresh food, and our stores of roots and fruits from last autumn's harvest would be shriveled or used up. The birds are in the same position. They need plenty of energy to keep them going through the coldest part of the year, and it is in our gardens that they might find human gifts in the shape of nuts and seeds. Today the sparrows are squabbling over the newly filled bird feeder, and the blue tits hang back until they have had their noisy fill. In the shadows that darken the wet grass below the apple tree, I catch a glimpse of a blackbird, cautious but hungry, coming closer to the house than usual. The 1st of February sees the end of the blackbird days. This is a tradition from Italy with a multitude of variations, but all of which give an explanation for the last days of January being the cruelest of the year. The blackbird is hopping closer. His beady eye meets mine. In England, we are the lucky host of many extra blackbirds in the winter, who come here to escape more severe weather and even less food in Scandinavia and Russia. So this won't be an Italian blackbird, but he will sympathise with this Italian story. Once upon a time, when January had 28 days and February had 31, January was especially spiteful to a struggling white bird. Each time he left his hideout to forage for food, January blew gales of snow and ice, turning the ground hard and freezing the poor bird's feathers. The bird survived but did not forget this struggle. The next year, he worked hard all through the early winter months, when the hips and haws still clung to the hedgerows, and he stocked his pantry with so much food that when January came, he did not need to brave the weather to forage at all. There he sat, safe and warm, nibbling his rose hips and haws, his crab apples and sloes, and January did not get to take one single swipe at him for 28 days. On the first day of February, the white bird rose from his hideout and sang for joy. He was triumphant. January wanted revenge. She borrowed three days from February and used them to unleash a snowstorm so powerful that it sent the poor white bird whirling through the air. In desperation, he flew down a chimney and took shelter there, huddled and shivering for three long days. When the storm broke and February finally took her new place in the calendar, the bird hopped up and out into the cold, dry air. He was stained black with soot from the chimney and the stain never did come out. But he lived to tell the tale as a blackbird and forevermore the last three days of January would be the cruelest and coldest as the bird and the month battled one another. The Italian word for a blackbird is merlo and this word also appears in Italian slang meaning something like a chump or a weakling. For a bird who sings with such gusto later in the year, this feels a little mean. But now the blackbird days are over, we can look forward to the warmth and the light growing, the end of the hungry gap, and the moment when we will hear the blackbird singing his triumphant song again.
then we'll know that spring is well and truly here. Moss of the Month Feathery bog moss, Sphagnum cuspidatum, is the most aquatic of Britain's sphagnum moss species. A water lover, this is a moss of pool and pond, moorland and bog, runnel and ditch. Its name describes it well. Long fronds of star-clustered green or yellow leaves look delicate and feathery in the water. But once lifted into the air, this moss is often compared to sodden fur, rumpled and lacking structure. Sphagnum mosses are an attractive family, carpeting their moorland, bog and marshland homes with colour, rust red, pink, green, yellow. And when seen up close, their intricate forms are beautiful, made jewel-like and sparkling by water. But sphagnum is intrinsic to these landscapes in more than looks. These mosses hold water in their sponge-like forms long after the surrounding soil has dried out. The water stops organic matter from decaying, and when compressed over hundreds of years, this matter becomes peat. Peatlands, we now know, are vitally important sites for carbon sequestration. The majority are the sphagnum-based ecosystems we see here in the Northern Hemisphere, but peatlands are found in every climatic zone, covering almost 3% of the planet's terrestrial surface. When damaged, dried out, drained or burned, the carbon stored up in the peat over centuries is released back into the atmosphere as CO2, directly contributing to the greenhouse effect and associated climate change. But even under threat as they are, for peat is a valuable fuel and fertiliser, peatlands store and sequester more carbon than any other ecosystem outside of the world's oceans. February's moon phases. The last quarter moon is on the 2nd of February. The new moon is on the 9th of February. First quarter, 16th of February. Full moon, 24th of February. February's full moon is known as the snow moon, ice moon or storm moon. As the last moon before the spring equinox, this moon is also the Lenten moon. Spring and neap tides are the most extreme tides of the month, with the highest rises and the lowest falls, and they follow a couple of days after the full moon and new moon. These are the times to choose a low tide and go rock pooling, mudlarking or coastal fossil hunting. Neap tides are the least extreme, with the smallest movement, and they fall in between the spring tides. Spring tides this month will fall around the 10th to the 12th and the 25th to the 27th while neap tides will be around the 2nd to the 4th and the 17th to the 19th. Average sea temperatures this month, 6.5 degrees Celsius at St Andrews and 9 degrees Celsius at St Austell. And here's The Breath with a song for February. What's going on in February, Raina? February is, is a tricky one for me because... Um, it kind of, it's like a false promise. So you think that you've made it through winter because you can see the crocuses coming up. My granny said I used to love it when she saw the peep of spring coming. And the first day of February, like 
is like Irish Spring. So it's like called St. Bridget's Day and we leave water out on the window for like this fertility goddess to bless the water. Bridget is, she's a bit of a badass in our mythology, you know, so. But it's, it's always a false promise because, you know, February does come along and kicks your ass a little bit more and reminds you that winter isn't, definitely isn't over, mm-hmm. ever. So, um, with that in mind, it's, this next song is called Don't Rush It and, you know, don't be rushing out away from the fireplace and mm-hmm. uh, don't be rushing to take those uh, layers off and thinking that the sunshine isn't gonna go for a little wander on you um, yeah don't rush it So tonight we run And the rain that we feel, that we feel Keeps us without shame Keeps me rushing to myself Keeps me humming to myself Keeps me shouting to myself Keeps me lying to myself Keeps me hollow anyway 
And I don't wanna rush it And I don't wanna fly It all leads to salt work Ashes leave me behind And it all feeds backward All in myself February's perfume ingredient, balsam fir. The scent of balsam fir is often compared to that of jam. It is intense, very long-lasting, sweet, fresh and foresty all at once. Native to North America, the tree is widespread across the northerly reaches of the continent and is a popular choice for Christmas trees. At Fern, Balsam fir needles are harvested from wild trees to the east of Calgary in Alberta, Canada, to be distilled and used in fragrances such as Winter 24. Harvesting methods in Canada's forests are often now built on sustainable models. The Great Boreal Forest is a crucial source of income and employment for Canadians, providing resources from hydroelectric power to timber, and has been home to Canada's indigenous people since time immemorial. The forest renews itself through natural disturbances such as wildfires. Sustainable harvesting practices aim to recreate these conditions, contributing to forest management while benefiting the harvesters by increasing yields. Balsam fir is a crucial player in one of these natural disturbances, the fir wave. The death of tall trees allows light to reach the forest floor, allowing seedlings to grow. Sixty years on, those seedlings become so tall that by shutting out the light, they deprive themselves of nutrients, light and warmth, and so die, and the cycle continues in waves of living and dying, light and shade. Balsam furs resin, often known as Canada balsam, has a long history of use in medicines, and recent research has confirmed its antiseptic properties. The Ojibwe, whose territories stretch across southern Canada and the northern Midwest, use it to treat sores and colds, but also to seal their birch bark canoes. Stars, meteor showers and planets. 
it is not a great month for bright planet spotting. Venus, Mars and Saturn will become lost in the glare of the sun this month and so will be unobservable. But look out for Jupiter, which will appear high in the southwest sky around 6pm and will set at about 11.30pm in the west. On the 14th, there will be a close approach of the moon and Jupiter. They will appear in the dusk in the southwest at around 6pm at about 48 degrees altitude. They will set together at 11.30pm in the west. Fairy Tale of the Month Gertrude's Bird This is an old Norwegian folk tale in a tradition of stories found throughout Europe. Tales of Jesus wandering about and having encounters with ordinary folk, often requiring their hospitality and being granted or denied it. In these tales he often behaves without the patient and forgiving behaviour the Bible would have us expect of him, and so it proves in this one. It is partly a cautionary tale about greed and selfishness, and partly a creation myth, and you might think of it if you hear a woodpecker drumming in the woods this month. In those days, Jesus and Peter wandered upon the earth, and they came to the house of an old woman called Gertrude, who sat baking wearing a red scarf tied around her head. They had walked a very long way and were hungry, and so they knocked on the door and begged Gertrude for a bannock, a sort of bread cooked on a baking stone or griddle. Yes, said Gertrude, they could have a bannock. But then she took a very small piece of her dough and rolled it out, not wanting to spare much. The piece grew and grew some more, until it was large enough to cover the whole griddle. Annoyed that she had given them too much, she baked the bannock, put it into her own basket, and started again. This time she took a smaller piece of dough, but again it grew and grew, and the bannock covered the griddle, and Gertrude put it in her own basket. The third time she took the tiniest piece of dough she could possibly pinch, and yet the exact same thing happened again. Finally, she turned to Jesus and Peter and said, Well, I cannot give you anything, for these bannocks are too big. You must go without. At this, Jesus said, Since you love me so little as to grudge me a morsel of food, you shall have this punishment. You shall become a bird and seek your food between the bark and the bowl and never get a drop to drink save when it rains. As he spoke the final word, she turned into a woodpecker with a red patch on her head and flew from her kneading trough right up the chimney. In Norway, you can still see her flying about, the black woodpecker, her body black from all the soot in the chimney and a flash of red on her head from the scarf. And you can hear her tap, tap, tapping at the trees, seeking out her food. Thank you for listening to this month's episode. Please do like and subscribe. All episodes are released on the first of each month. This episode was February, the second of our 2024 series. I'm Leah Lainders, and if you enjoyed this podcast, you'll also enjoy my book, The Almanac, A Seasonal Guide to 2024. This year's theme is In the Garden. 
As the Season Turns is now in its fourth year. With over 35 episodes, there's lots to explore for each month. Alice Boyd's Found Sound for January was such a lovely, relaxing episode that we've decided to continue with one for each month. So do subscribe to be notified when February's is out. These are mini-episodes of five to ten minutes, exploring the sounds of a wild place in Britain. Do also listen back to last year's folk music from Gwilym Bowen Rees, which is now available as an album, Canyon y Fluidin, Songs for the Year. This podcast is produced by Jeff Bird. Catriona Bolt is the production coordinator. In addition to my own contributions, Zoe Gilbert, author of Mischief Acts, wrote and read The Blackbird Tale. The folk song was played by The Breath, Raina Cannelly and Stuart McCallum, who also provided music for the intro. This podcast has been created by Fern. Fern is an organic fragrance maker based in Somerset. Working with the rhythms of the seasons, they blend, barrel age and bottle four fragrances a year. Each fragrance is made to order for the names on the Fern production ledger. To join the ledger and find out more, visit www.fern.co or visit the link in the podcast description.